Hey, welcome back to the Equipped Brews Tired Podcast. I'm here with uh, Bryce, of course. Um, just uh, end of another week and uh, another episode that we're pretty excited to release to you guys. Um, mm-hmm. We'll get to that in a few minutes, but how's uh, how's life out there in the in the mountains? It's good. We tried to go hiking yesterday, and um, I'm sure anybody that follows me on Instagram would have seen my... 120 kilos of twisted steel and sex appeal post holing through uh, like chest high snow trying to make it up the side of the mountain. Um, we were not successful, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, we ended up turning around because it just became more and more and more of that and a lot less of any kind of trail. So, um, yeah, but I guess it's good to know that I can still kind of hang, you know, uh, <laughs> I haven't lost all of my, my hiking capacity. I can still go. I just go a little slower. But um, yeah. Selena just dancing across the snow and. <laughs> Not quite. No, <laughs> it was uh, it was a whole lot on both sides. I think Bronson was because uh, my, my dog Bronson is is uh, pretty short. So he was like bounding through the post holes, <laughs> all four paws in the air kind of thing. It was uh, we had a good time regardless of not uh, making it to the top of the trail. We had a great time. So that's what matters. And I didn't hurt myself. My That's calves are really sore today from like getting my feet twisted in, in post holes. But uh, yeah, I should still be able to squat tomorrow. So I'm happy about that. Good How's times. your uh, week and weekend? You didn't have the greatest training session the last time I talked to you. Yeah, it's been, you know, it's been one of those, one of those training mm-hmm. cycles. But mm-hmm. we uh, added back in regular training. So I did sumo on Monday. Uh, and it was fine. It was light just trying to reintroduce it. Uh, but then when I went to squat again on Wednesday, I tweaked my adductor again. So kind of feel like it's something to do with sumo proximity to squatting. So I don't know if I'm what I'm doing. So Mike wants me to do some Copenhagen planks, which I didn't know what the heck was. I had actually looked that up. Um, That's where you like pop one leg up on top of the bench and then try to like clamp your other leg up. Yeah, to it, it's right? like a static adductor contraction. Mm-hmm. Right. So... I uh, started doing those yesterday at home and did them pre-workout today. And uh, yeah, uh, they're not pleasant. So, I was going to say, how do know. those make you feel? <laughs> um, maybe they'll help. I, I was able to, lots of times the the first week back uh, or the first day back squatting after tweaking my adductor, I wouldn't be able to squat at all. So, oh yeah. So today I was able to work up to like a 200 kilo. I was pausing them slightly in the bottom for a set of five. I just didn't want to hit that like stretch reflex kind of stretch contraction at the bottom to keep the adductor happier. Yeah. Is that and kind of wasn't... where you tend to like where it tends to bother you is right when you get that like rebound? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So I was trying to be careful with that and it seemed okay. I'm not going to say it was a full success because I started to feel the pain on that last set, but um mm. Hopefully I didn't make it worse. Uh, I think I'll probably do conventional deadlifts tomorrow. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, and then my shoulder's been, um, bugging me. Lots of times this happens when I start pushing my raw bench, mm-hmm. <clears throat> it just kind of catches up to me. And, um, so we, I was able to bench up to like a decent single 205 today, but, nice. uh, the dropback sets just hurt. So I kind of yeah. cut those short and tried to walk away feeling okay. But yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, Raw stuff, Raw stuff's beating me up, so. Yeah. It's time to get back in the equipment, man. <laughs> Gotta get something back on. <laughs> Slingshot even or something. Something to yeah, hold me together. Some, some knee wraps maybe. I don't know. Does that, yeah. I don't know if that would help your adductor at all, but. Yeah, I don't know. It would I, feel I nice. 
I haven't done any like just near app stuff since working with Mike. So hmm. cool. And How uh, you? yeah, training's been. Uh, it was another like really good week of training. Got up to two eighty five single on my raw squat, which is like ten kilos less than the same raw squat I hit in the last three raw competitions I've done. So approaching some of the heaviest squatting I've done since 2016 without uh, equipment, right? So, I mean, that's kind of exciting. Uh, mm-hmm. If things if things align, uh, we'll see. I might I might just need to like load up 317 and just see if it's uh, if it's there. If I don't think it's there, I I won't. But it's three. Man, it would be nice. Your best. Yeah, it would be nice to hit a raw PR for the first. Was that time. at Worlds? Worlds in? It was a Nationals actually? Okay. Um, I think it might have been Regina Nationals. Okay, maybe. Yeah. But uh, yeah, bench continues to progress. I just add weight to every single bench variation I'm doing every single week right now. And it's just, it's going nuts. Deadlifts felt better this week than the week before. And uh, yeah, man, I don't know. I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm feeling no more banged up than usual. I got a couple aches and pains and just normal stuff. But yeah, feeling pretty all right. That's good. <clears throat> yeah, I'm getting yeah. close to the end of this block, so I don't know. We'll see what uh, what we do. I think I should have maybe. Well, I would guess Mike probably cuts it off after this week with my shoulder flaring yeah. up. But, but we'll see where he decides to go <laughs> if he's uh, not in middle transition and stuff like that. So we'll see. Yeah. And we so we don't have any questions this week. You said right? No, nothing. Just comments, positive comments on YouTube and stuff. And well, that's nice. So yeah, yeah, nothing. Yeah, if- no, no burning questions. If anybody out there is listening and has has questions for us, we'd love to uh, love to answer them. So you can email us at equippedbruisedtired at gmail right? Uh, That's right. Or or you can just drop one in the YouTube comments if you're watching this YouTube styley. So our interview today was with Marta Elberum, and uh, she is a Norwegian powerlifter. She's been competing for about twelve years. Um, Took a second overall at uh, Open Worlds, two different inter or sorry, two different uh, times she did that. Um, she's been competing internationally since 2011, held multiple world records, and currently holds the 72 kilo deadlift world record at 249.5 kilos. Um, I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, it was really, I think, interesting to hear the shift in sort of the part of the Norwegian coaching system that she's been along the, on the ride for, uh, going from a very much more structured system into, you know, what she's sort of evolved her training into now, um, talking a lot about how much more fresh and healthy she feels these days. And, uh, yeah, it was just a, it was a great conversation. I thought, so I'm, I'm really excited to toss it over there and, uh, without any further ado, we'll get to that conversation here. Cool. So how are you, Marta? Uh, I'm doing good, uh, yeah. considering uh, what's happening in the world. I'm doing very good. <laughs> good, that's good. Yeah. Uh, I guess we'll start off with like a formal welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on and and chatting and hanging out with us. Um, but yeah, so what, what's uh, what's it like there? What's your situation like? How are you dealing with all this stuff? Uh, well, today actually, uh, the government. Uh, started softening up so we're slowly getting back to more normal and opening up schools uh, gyms are opening in june around 15th i think 
Okay. So it's it's getting back to normal, um, but let's just hope it lasts. Um, yeah. For 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 me, it hasn't been a big change to be honest. Okay. Um, I'm this semester. I'm writing my master thesis. Okay. So you know, I'm just home writing, anyways, not mm-hmm. seeing too much people. Okay. And I have my home gym, so it's uh, it hasn't been a big change for me to be honest. Yeah. It would have been worse if I was um, working, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but now I would just be home uh, in my office anyways. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good, I guess. You got a, a decent home gym set up? Yeah, I do. I get to do whatever I need here. So um, that's luxury. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite nice. <laughs> what are you doing your master's thesis in? Uh, I'm doing um, uh, societal safety and risk management. So I'm writing about something called crew resource management, which is a training concept for pilots. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it is kind of geeky, though. <laughs> is that is that why you were front squatting on a, a like boat? That that photo. I was looking through your Instagram <laughs> today, and I saw you like holding a bar in a front squat on a, a some sort of like helicopter carrier, or aircraft carrier, or something. Yeah, that was uh, no. It's not in relation to that. But oh, okay. um, that was when I was working offshore um, oh. uh, last summer and the summer before. Probably not going to be happening this summer thanks to COVID. Uh, 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 but um, I've been really lucky to get to work as a personal trainer, actually, offshore. Okay. So working with the physical health of um, people in emergency positions offshore. So that's, that's been awesome. really good. Yeah, yeah, so I just front squats on the heli deck. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was kind of thinking. I was like, I think I need a little bit more context for this photo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really uh, strange squatting on a boat, though. I was gonna ask. Even, so, so, yeah, yeah. Tell us maybe a little bit about that. Do you you do some of your training while you're there? Uh, well, I did because last summer I was actually I went there. I think it was two weeks or the week before nationals. Oh, okay. So I did my last heavy training there. So uh, you're doing heavy equipped squats on a boat? No, no, no. That was for uh, raw nationals. So, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, it's okay. just regular training. So <laughs> it worked out. And I don't know. The only big difference that I noticed was my calves got really sore uh, oh, because okay. there's so much stabilizing you have to do mm-hmm. when squatting on a boat. And it was pretty calm, though. So it was. It was safe to squat, but when sure. it's really rough out there, it's not a good place to be squatting. <laughs> yeah, you just wouldn't do your training that day, hey? Well, you would have to do something else. Maybe the Smith machine, even though that's, you know, uh-huh, not very good. <laughs> but it would be better than not squatting at all, I guess. Absolutely. Totally. Um, people, go ahead, Ryan. People spend a lot of money on those, like, earthquake bars or... What's that one that's going around right now? The one that Ray Williams is squatting with? Um, that super whippy one? Uh, I can't remember what it was called. But like it's just like a noodle over his back sort of thing. Those are like $600 for those. So you have to do it for free on a boat, I guess. Just go on a boat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, even though it does cost you, I don't know, 
how many thousands of dollars it costs you to do the um, safety training to be allowed <laughs> to go offshore, though. Yeah, it might be better to just buy one of those things if you if you're into that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, if you're that that adamant on getting a wobbly bar experience. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um. So to start off with, um, maybe we'll just kind of get a quick bit of background on your lifting and, and sort of, you know, how long have you been lifting? What got you into the sport? Um, you know, tell us a little bit about how you came up through powerlifting and, and got into equipment and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I started powerlifting in 2008, which is 12 years. <laughs> wow, that sounds, I, was, I sound old now, but... <laughs> Well, I started because I was doing martial arts. I was doing um, MMA and Brazilian okay. Jiu-Jitsu. And um, I just, I don't think I reflected on it, but I was only fighting with guys. There was only guys in the gym and I felt so weak. Okay. I thought I had to be the weakest girl in the world because, you know, fighting a guy, it's its hard. <laughs> yeah. So I was in the on this forum and uh, ask people like, hey, how do you get strong? And then someone said, well, you have to do powerlifting and you can just come to this place. Like, okay. So I just showed up and that was KK67, uh, my club today. Yeah. Uh, So I just showed up there and started training there. But I was like, no, I'm just going to train here uh, to get stronger because I want to fight. And um, that was my initial thought. But then the guys were like, well, you're actually pretty strong. So why don't you just compete at regionals? Because uh, you're really close to the record. Um, mm-hmm. And back then, you know, it wasn't, there was only equipped. And I thought it was so stupid. I think we've all been there. Yeah. I started out like a real hater. Because... I just thought it was so silly and I just didn't understand why people, why do you bother? Uh, so the first record I set was actually raw, but an equipped okay. record. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, for 67 and a half uh, sub-junior, I guess. I think I was 17. Right. Um, so this was pretty early on. You figured out you were pretty good at this stuff. Yeah, I think I did. I think I got a training program, which was like 12 or 16 weeks. Uh, and that was before the meet. So I think I had powerlifted for about 16 weeks or something when I did the first meet. And that was actually the first meet I've ever been to. So I had no clue what was going to happen. I just showed up and, okay, tell me what to do. <laughs> and you did this first meet all raw? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And did you have a well, coach going into it, or did you just kind of just well, figure I it out? A, no, I had a coach at the club that was writing a program for me. And then <laughs> I had a coach that's uh, uh, a strongman in Norway. Uh, okay. That was like, I don't know, 170 kilos and huge guy with tattoos and everything. And... Today, that wouldn't be very welcomed, to be honest. <laughs> okay. Because of the uh, difference in sport or because of his tattoos? Uh, because of 
uh, you're not on the Vada code, basically. Right. Oh, right. So okay. Supplementation. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. Gotcha. Yeah, I just didn't. I didn't know anything about that back then. Right. So at that point, he's right. a really good guy, and he helped me and told me to like go lift that thing. I was like, okay. <laughs> but I had I had great support from the beginning, good. and I mean, I think I was so lucky that I started when I did because. I got so much help and so much attention as a girl coming into the sport because there were basically no girls back then, uh, especially in Norway. I think I was the second girl in my gym or something. So whenever I started lifting, if I would have started today, I wouldn't be counted as a talent or anything at all because I think the record I set was uh, 135 kilos, which is nothing today. You have... You know, you know, you have sub juniors coming in and pulling like 200 kilos the second time they're coming <laughs> in. I mean, it's crazy today. Yeah. If I would have started today, I would probably just, I don't know. I don't know if I would have um, stuck around for so long. I don't know. So do you ever miss uh, um, fighting or is that part just kind of gone? No, I still miss it. I can't watch MMA because... <laughs> And I just want to do that and not powerlift. <laughs> I, heard, I heard you may have had some fights with um, some of your uh, powerlifting teammates. Uh, I heard you wrestle with Kim Reno. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe you tapped him out, I heard, maybe. Twice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty good because he's uh, 83 kilos or 74 kilos. Uh, he was 74 then and now he's 83. So, you know, he's not a small guy. No, 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 no. But in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it's a lot about technique. Right, so right. you have to know you have to know how to submit a person to submit it, you know. Right. Yeah. But um, I decided to, or it was actually a coincidence because I hurt my knee. I was going to uh, European Open in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and uh, training towards that, I just hurt my knee, um, tore, not completely tear, but uh, tore my ligament. And I couldn't fight anymore, but I could still squat and okay. deadlift. So I was like, okay, maybe I'm just going to try and see uh, what I can do. Because everyone was just like, oh, you're so talented. You have to you have to compete in powerlifting and you make the national team and you'll travel the world and blah, blah, blah. blah. I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and then I decided like, okay, let's, let's just see what happens. And... You know, 10 years later, I'm still waiting to see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so, like, you kind of went from that first meet, and after that, was that you are pretty much set on on kind of dedicating yourself to this? Or, you know, once you had some success, you got that taste of it, You did that kind of open things up, or were you still a little bit hesitant at first? Or, you know, did you start just seeing those records falling and getting hungrier and hungrier? No, not at all, actually. <laughs> okay. I went straight back to fighting. Okay. Uh, cause this was late. This was like October 2008. Mm -hmm. And I hurt my knee uh, January 2010. Okay. So during that time, I tried to do both. I thought I would do like the best of both, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. trying to combine it. And I was a student at that time, but I didn't really study. I just had like 12, 15 trainings a week. Oh, wow. And, you know, I didn't progress very well, even though I was 
a beginner in powerlifting because I was training so much. Mm-hmm. And I guess it was just my body saying stop when I hurt my knee as well. Yeah. Uh, so that was when I decided to try to make the national team. Uh, and then uh, I got into equipped lifting because I had to. There was no choice. There was no raw right. team back then, you know. We were yeah. kind of forced into it. Didn't love it from the start, but it really grew on me. Yeah. And what uh, was the what was the turning point there? What what made you eventually fall in love with it? Can you can well, you point I to figure out? Fell in love. That was probably the thing with the powerlifter that was really into equipped lifting. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There you go. That'll do so it. So I think that was one of the you know turning points uh, that helps me shift the mentality and think of gear as something fun Uh, so he helped me a lot and also uh, I came more into contact with um, other people that were were on the national team and Mm. you know said to me like you have to try it you can't just hate on it and not try it you know like okay I'm just gonna try and then still trying (laughs) <laughs> so of all the places you've been uh one of the first worlds maybe the first worlds i, I can't remember for sure Canada. was moosja was moosja exactly yeah, it my, was. that was my the first meet we ran uh yeah. our group ran internationally so how does that rank up there as far as all of the amazing places you've seen in the world uh Mushka, <laughs> as, a, as a city or whatever you call it <laughs> it's it's a city it's a city oh, okay okay I remember trucks and fields (laughs) and I remember Rhea winning and uh, there were so many people in the crowd when she was competing. I remember there was like national TV. It was was really good and that was the first international competition or first world I did and it was so fun to see her compete and going against Ukrainian, wasn't it? Or Russian? Uh, Russian, yeah. Yeah, and she got overturned her last deadlift didn't she and uh, then Rhea won uh the no the russian dropped her last deadlift i think she dropped no she did are you sure yeah we actually okay. just re- actually so i actually went back to watch you were lifting there just so i could kind of uh, remember because i wasn't I, I didn't know you actually lifted there um and then so i brought up Rhea's lifting so we watched her through it and yeah the ukraine uh the russian olga um just hard olga. missed her yeah it was she missed it like right at lockout sort of thing. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I remember it was, it was like really close. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was uh, cool. It was, the competition was really good. I don't remember much from Moose Draw, though. <laughs> that's it. There's not much here to remember. <laughs> Trucks and fields. Yeah, that sounds right. Fields, yeah. You Ironically enough, that was where I was born and raised, too, was in Moose Draw. This really? Point. Living elsewhere, yeah. That was, so that was where I did my first meet. Um, yeah, he you got that out. Or got national meet. What's that? We have that. I was about to say we have that in common, but it was my first international meet, though. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I found it interesting you're talking about. You used to be an MMA fighter. Um, when you come out onto the platform for your deadlifts, you're you're pretty pretty aggressive. You're pretty vocal. Um. Like, is that something that comes from that same side of yourself? Is that like something that you do in training? Um, or is it a kind of reserve for competition? And, and you know, how do you use that to kind of 
get yourself into the right headspace because you don't seem like you really want to yell and scream right now. You know what I mean? It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's interesting to see the two sides, I think. Yeah, well, I think I would have a big issue if I was going around screaming like that all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just, you I know, agree. Yeah, It'd living be a little my weird. life that would be a problem. A, a little, little weird, bit weird. Yeah. But um, yeah, I do. I do really like to get aggressive. It really helps my lifting mm-hmm. to get into the zone. I was actually funny thing today. I was because uh, our national um, constitutional day is coming up. Okay. So I was washing the, the silver on my national suit today and I used ammonia to wash it. I was like, <laughs> oh, deadlifts. <laughs> <laughs> it really took me back. I was like, oh, I hope we're going to get to compete soon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, totally. yeah, but I really, I really like getting fired up. I think that um, I get a lot of or some kilos out of it to just lose my mind, I guess, not to think too much and not overanalyze or anything. And just get to the right uh, kind of anxiety level or arousal, basically. Yeah. Is that something that you did when you were fighting as well? No, not at all. You you didn't walk out and like scream at whoever you're going (laughs) to fight? (laughs) No, I didn't. I didn't do any fights, though. Um, Oh, okay. It was just in training and stuff. Uh, No, I don't think I've ever gotten vocal in that context, actually. Okay. It's very different because it's, uh, especially Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it's very chilled out. Right. It's really calm and it's a lot more thinking than you would actually think. Mm -hmm. Um, But lifting is, you know, it's getting away from A to B. It's not that hard. Yeah. So you can have um, more arousal as well. Right. So is that something that you use in training as well, or do you kind of reserve that for competition? Or what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I try to use it in training as well. But sometimes I find it hard to get into the right zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have a lot of help from Lil John. Um, okay is, yeah <laughs> all right usually gets me fired up <laughs> awesome and that actually honestly oh, yeah, that leads that, that leads like right into our one of my other questions because i've seen you mention gangster rap and different different rap artists before what are your like what are your your maybe top like three rap songs for getting amped up and are there other genres and other types of music that get you there or is it pretty much just Little John. It depends on what I need. Usually okay. it's Little John. Uh, okay. Little John, throw it up is like ultimate one. All right. Um, but also Little John, stop. Can I cuss on this thing? Sure, sure. <laughs> stop fucking with me. <laughs> okay. It's a really good one. Yeah. Uh, if you're having a bad day, that would you you can totally relate. Um, but it depends on the mood or the kind of training I'm in. Uh, I also like a lot of Russian like war songs. Okay. Um, I don't know that I've ever heard a Russian war song. Is that like a symphonic kind of thing or, okay. Yeah. Send me some. Perfect. It's the red Russian army choir. Okay. That's used for, or back in day, the day when (laughs) there was war and stuff, you know, (laughs) they used the choir to amp up the, 
soldiers and whatever. Interesting. Um, yeah, and um, that's just for just saying get your shit together, basically. Um, right. Because sometimes I have to remind myself that I'm only lifting weights. It's yeah. moving some weight from A to B. It's not something you're not going to war. I right. hate when people say like, oh, we're going to war for a competition. It's like, no, you're not going to war. Absolutely. You're competing in, in a sport. I mean. Absolutely. We're not going to like die and go to Valhalla and we're not Vikings and et cetera. Nope. I mean, you might have more claim to that than the rest of us, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's it's just not that dramatic, I don't think. I totally yeah. agree with that sentence. So that's, that's the, for the days when I have to like put things in context and just say, hey, suck it up, just get the job done. Um, and Lil John is for those days that I just need to get fired up, basically. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I like that. As somebody who relies or leans really heavily on music uh, as well, I, I, I can relate to that very much. Are you more the rock type or yeah, metal? Yeah, a lot, a lot of metal. Um, a lot of rap, too. So uh, maybe I'll put some, some Lil John on my playlists and see how that works for me. But uh, yeah, mostly metal stuff. He used to be a lead singer of a metal band. I did, yes. I did all the screaming, growling, yeah. grunting, etc. I thought you meant Lil John. now. I was like, no, I don't, know. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> no. no, very different music. Yeah, so um, do you still sing? Um, sometimes in my car on the way to the gym, if I'm listening to something really good and it, uh, you know, it hits just right. But uh, very, very rarely. I think my wife once complained that she's never seen me actually do it, but she has seen me rap full Kendrick Lamar songs, which she thought was really weird, given that <laughs> that's not what I used to do. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think, I think I'm very good at it sing. anymore. So I think you should sing on this podcast sometime. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Talent this. show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you gonna Are you gonna rap some verses for us then? I'm a terrible rapper. And even more terrible as a singer, it's, yeah, I have no talents except for lifting, I guess. I mean, that's a good one. It got you here, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, so switching gears a little bit, um, you posted just uh, two days ago, uh, pulling conventional, I think, for six for 180 kilos. Uh, and you mentioned in there that um, it's been a long time since you pulled conventional raw because of uh, injuries and, and stuff like that. Um, so what's kind of been, what was the injury that was holding you back? And um, uh, what's the process kind of been like kind of bringing it back into your training? And uh, are you thinking about keeping conventional in, into the future? Or do you still think you're probably a better competition sumo puller sort of thing? You guys did your research because I'm pretty sure I wrote that text in Norwegian. Oh, yeah. It was a <laughs> Instagram will translate. Oh, okay. Well, uh, yeah, you observed correctly. I think that was, it was yesterday, I think. Yeah. Um, I think it was, yeah, it was in 2017. I got a small tear in my um, adductor magnus, mm -hmm. uh, which was getting worse and worse when pulling conventional. It was bad pulling sumo as well, but it didn't hurt my strength so much in sumo. Uh, so just to try to mitigate that, 
uh, injury, we stopped pulling conventional basically um, for quite some time. And 2018 was not a good year. 2019 wasn't a very good year either. So uh, now I'm as injury free as I've been. I I don't know. I don't remember. Um, the last time I was this injury afraid, to be honest. <laughs> so now I'm finally uh, able to pull conventional again. Um, so I hope to do some good numbers uh, conventional as well. But as competition style, I think I will continue with sumo. I have this theory that you have to build up strength, like real brutal strength with conventional. And then you get that carry over into sumo and since my deadlift has hasn't really evolved much uh, in the last two years I feel like I've used up the conventional strength that I had <laughs> if you know what I mean so sure. now I have to go and get more conventional strength that I can like pull back it put back in my sumo so hopefully with uh, with some training now and um, in going into worlds hopefully mm -hmm. Um, that will help my, my conventional, I mean, uh, my competition sumo as well. Cause I don't think, I don't think I will pull like 250 plus conventional, just putting on a suit. That would be terrible. I think. Trip conventional is rough. Yeah. I've, I don't think I've ever made it to the bar in a deadlift suit conventional. No, <laughs> I'm not, I don't think I'm going to try even cause <laughs> <no>. <laughs> I respect that. Yeah. <laughs> so what, why do you think you're so healthy right now? What do you think has contributed to you being able to to say that you're you don't remember a time you were this injury free? Has there been some changes in your training or, or how you're approaching things? Um, big changes in both, actually. Uh, and up until now, I always trained on a very set program. Mm hmm. And you always feel like you have to do everything, you know, you have to cross out everything and, and, you know, no pain, no gain, whatever. You just like bulldoze through and get the job done. And you okay. think as long as you do that, as long as you do everything that's on the plan, you have to get better, right? Even though you're training through a lot of pain and whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but training through a lot of pain really uh, in, inflicted my motivation as well, uh, oh. which I struggled with uh, both in 2018 and 19, to be honest. So I had to switch things up a little bit. So now I'm, uh, I have decreased the frequency. Okay. The Norwegian model is, you know, you squat five, six times a week. Now I squat two maybe three okay. uh, whatever i feel like uh, same with bench and um and i'm deadlifting twice a week pretty much and i'm trying to be more relaxed in my approach to training mm -hmm. it's like okay if i don't finish everything this week i don't have to look at it as one week i can look at it as especially now when we don't know we're going to compete anyway so if I don't finish it this week, it just goes on. You know, it doesn't have to be within the the week from Monday to Sunday. Right. So I think I changed 
changed a lot of the training and also my perspective on it. I'm tired of, you know, so much pain. But you have to you have to think about the pain as well. Is it just, you know, soreness, that kind mm. of pain? That's comfortable pain. But is it pain that, you know, is going to lead to an injury? That's not very good. It's going to set you back. And my what I've learned is that you're not going to get stronger with a body that's not healthy. So are you awesome. then, are you directing your own programming right now? Or uh, have you worked with the Norwegian coaches to kind of scale things back for yourself? Uh, I've switched. I think that was a part of the problem as well that I switched trainers uh, like 2017, 18, uh, a little bit back and forth and just a little bit mess. Okay. Um, and the approach that I have now is that the Norwegian national coach has uh, set up a plan for me with how many sets and reps should I do on a, on a given week. Okay. And what RAR should I hit or RPE. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I regulate much more. Uh, but he still controls how many sets and reps should I do and what intensity. Um, but if I feel like, for instance, the... Uh, six reps on 180 kilos wasn't on the program it said to do three on 177 or something but i just switched it up a little bit and do what i feel like <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it, i think i think it it works for me now uh, because i'm getting to you know i'm kind of experienced in this uh lifting thing and i know my body better now and I'm also more, um, I don't, wouldn't say confident, but not so, I wouldn't feel so bad if I skipped a training or a set or whatever. Uh, I'm, I still have belief that I can progress. That's awesome. Cool. I really like that sentiment. I think, like it sounds like adding in a little bit of even just your own agency to kind of affect the training and, you know, do a little bit more on a good day, a little bit less on a bad day. I mean, that's, that's really cool that that, uh, has had a, a positive impact on your training. Um, yeah, so you mentioned, you mentioned worlds, I think, uh, and, and kind of the, the ifs and, you know, uh, those kinds of things about when we're all going to compete again, you are helping organize worlds in some capacity, correct? Uh, I'm close or to you're the, a part to of the, the team. Committee. Right, I'm okay. close, uh, close to the committee because I'm now I'm home where like I'm from, but I live in Stavanger uh, usually. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm close to the committee, and I know they are. Everyone is excited for what's going to happen, you know, and maybe excited isn't the right word, but <laughs> insecure. Mm-hmm. Um, but the committee is working. Uh, as if everything is going to plan um, and just received the news today that they're going to host sub juniors and juniors as well. Yeah, yeah saw that. Um, so they're also, you know, monitoring the situation, um, keeping close contact uh, with the municipality um, and with IPF and everything. So I'm confident that they will organize 
very, very good competition, given cer the circumstances. And hopefully there won't be any factors that we can control that will stop it. Right now, the borders are shut. You mm -hmm. won't get into Norway, you know, so yeah. that would have to change. <laughs> but it, lo it looks positive now. Um, our prime minister said that she wants to open the borders before summer. Okay. So hopefully there won't be too many restrictions when we're approaching November. Um, but at the same time, I don't know. I'm a little bit worried um, what the situation is going to be because you're not going to have a vaccine by then. Mm -hmm. And you have experts talking about, um, you know, different waves coming in. Yeah. Uh, so now we're just, you know, finishing off the first wave, maybe. Uh, who knows if and when there's going to be a second wave or a third wave. We don't know. There's so much insecurity, and uh, we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. Yeah. Well, I'm very excited at the prospect of being able to come and visit. Um, my my wife, Selene, and I were you know, going to plan to take a good little vacation there and come and enjoy and tour around a little bit and stuff. So we're, we're really hoping we're still able to do that. Um, so yeah, pretty excited at the, the prospect of that. I really hope uh, it goes as planned and I'm, yeah, you know, you didn't go to, to the 2013 worlds. Mm, no, no. Brian, I, you were. Yeah. Yeah, we were. Yeah, you hadn't started lifting yeah. yet, Bryce. <laughs> I, hey, that was I. I started in 2012, so I would have been lifting oh, for okay. a year. I definitely hadn't gotten into the equipment yet. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that year, Canada's Team Canada was me and Rhea in Norway. Yeah. So. Big team. Yeah, big team. It's still one of my favorite worlds, though. It's uh, probably one of the coolest environments, and just the music and lights they had set up was just, and even the like. It's a weird thing for me to. Uh, rave about but the control of the back room as yeah. a meet director myself like i hate meets that have no control for like coaches and stuff and you they did it so well there and yeah it's i'm really looking forward to hopefully coming back so hopefully hopefully i just hope that everything can be uh, as close to normal like that we we can have uh, the audience there mm -hmm. and we can have the same atmosphere that we did in 2013 because that's one of my or no it is my best memory from powerlifting is lifting in in um Stavanger 2013 and re-experiencing re that would be uh, amazing well I remember uh, I think it was is it uh Heidi Hildeberg that's from Stavanger Hildeborg, yeah. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, and I remember the crowd when she was lifting was just insane. It was just so loud in there. They had to tell the speaker, like, can you please make the audience be quiet when she benches? Because <laughs> she can't hear the commands. Right. Oh, and she benched a world record there, didn't she? 222 yeah. or something? like. Yeah, was, something like that. It was crazy. Yeah, so she's been coming back now from a really nasty injury that she got. Uh, while lifting in 2016 uh, Europeans. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a video out of it as well. It's 
it looks terrible. She loses control on the top on her bench and the sp- spotters don't catch it. So she rips her elbow out. Ugh. So she's she's gone through so I think she's been through two surgeries and rehab and everything just to come back so she can lift in Stavanger 2020. <laughs> so ugh. Hopefully everything goes as planned. Yeah. yeah. Um, so right there, you touched on on something that we usually ask everybody. Um, but you said that lifting at that Stavanger Stavanger um, twenty thirteen Worlds was your your favorite memory in powerlifting. Can you walk us through that a little bit and tell us what that was like and why it was such a an awesome experience for you and you know how the meet went for you and those kinds of things. It was the best best experience uh, I've had, and I think it's a lot of factors that come into play. Uh, first of all, it was a very good organized meet, even though I'm biased, of course. <laughs> but it, it was very well organized, and I mean, they had a DJ, and I talked to the DJ. I was like, "Can you please play my song?" You know, Lil Jon, throw it up. And oh, he was nice. Like, yeah, and he was like no sorry because we can't do like custom songs for everyone and it would be unfair if we just do, did it for you and I was like really really sad <laughs> and I think he saw that it's like but if I can play it for every Norwegian I can do it for you too okay <laughs> okay so he like he played Lil John throw it up and mixed it up when I was okay. coming into squat and for all my lifts it was just you know that alone would make my day. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. And then you also had, I remember my first squat because um, we were lifting together with the 63s and then 63s first and then 72s. Um, and you, you could just hear the audience, even though I had my headphones on, you could just hear the audience when a Norwegian walked out. I was like, mm. are you serious? So I remember walking out from my first squat and I was just like terrified because there was so much noise and so much people there and I lost balance. I think I was just like so thrown off from everything that I was like overwhelmed from my first first squat. Okay. Uh, but then I came back and I did and I, I think I PR total Okay. Uh, and I was close to getting the gold medal in deadlift actually nice. but I pulled it and then I fell on my ass so close but not a good day for balance no it wasn't (laughs) but it was I was still a junior uh competing at open world so that was really huge as well to be given um the trust to compete there as a junior it was really it was really big that's awesome that sounds like a great time um do you think they'll have Little John at Worlds in Norway in 2020, if it happens, is that going to be like on your rider for, in order sure. for you to show up? Like... <laughs> I'll make sure. I don't know who I have to, you know, talk to or whatever, but I'll make sure. Okay, cool. Well, I'll be looking forward to that as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we actually, we dug into an AMA that you did in 2016 on Reddit. Do you remember, oh. you remember doing that, I imagine? Vaguely, at least. Yeah, I yeah I remember doing it, but I don't remember anything that I said. That's okay. We we remember. 
Okay. <laughs> um, so anyways, it, at that time in 2016, you said that Norway was really lucky to have Dietmar. Um, did your opinion change at all about that? And how do you feel um, sort of now that he's left to, to coach Germany? Um, what are your, your thoughts on that whole, that whole sort of changing of position and, the, and those kinds of things? Uh, he is still em- employed in uh, Norway as well. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Uh, no. Um, but, yeah, there was, were some issues uh, that didn't get resolved the best way. And oh. he was a very, very good coach in many ways. Um, but after, after a while... Uh, I experienced personally that he didn't take into account what I said and with injuries and whatever and um, maybe I felt it wasn't as customized as I okay. was used to. Okay. Um, but he, he is a very good coach and has done so much for Norwegian powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Um, since he moved to Norway in the 90s, he's made powerlifting in Norway what it is today. So yeah. thanks to him, we are in the top when it comes to equipped powerlifting. Totally. Um, but, um, well, there's a, you know, a beginning and an end for everything. And now we have our uh, national coach, uh, which was up until Dietmar resigned, our junior coach. Uh, okay. Now into our open coach, and he's very good, and he's very very forward thinking, and into the latest research. And this is the first time we're training uh, RPE, for instance. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of lifters, including myself, the reason that I feel the way I do with uh, what I mentioned earlier, with that I have to compete and uh, complete everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, within the week because that was Dietmar's way you had right. a program that was set and if you deviated from that that wasn't very good <laughs> right, okay. so you you really felt that you should do what what says here and not anything more not anything less right so we got really used to following <laughs> a program just checking off checking off checking off not thinking too much yourself as okay. lifter, yeah. not feeling and thinking and reflecting, I guess. Uh, but as we've seen now with research and more new approaches, uh, more RPE, more flexibility, um, that direction is more right for me right. personally. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of people that want to have like a rigid program and just, you know, follow the recipe as well. But I think the modern approach is more, you know, uh, regulation, uh, regulate yourself like RPE based, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, so the reason we like, we're, we're very curious about, uh, like I got a lot of questions about Dietmar and his secret sauce and his CYC and the, that whole thing. They're like, how do you do that? You know, like people are, 
people are really curious about his methods. So I think that's that's the big reason that I, I we asked John about him as well. Um, but it's just interesting because, again, as North Americans, we don't necessarily have a uh, sort of team coach that handles everything or a junior coach. We all have our individual coaches. And then on you know game day, we'll have our sort of uh, national coach or coaches step in at that point. But yeah, it's just kind of something that we're not used to. So I'm, I'm curious a lot of the times about how those kinds of systems operate and how they work for everybody. So just yeah, lif- lifting the veil a little bit. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see now because we are switching up our model. And before, when Dietmar was the national coach, it was, uh, you didn't have any option. If you were going to be in the national team, he was your coach, period. Um, And there's a lot of good things with that. And some things aren't so good if that coach isn't right for you, you know? Totally. Uh, So some people loved his training and some people didn't. And that's the issue when you have one coach for everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the upside is that you you get to have like the team feeling. You know, mm-hmm. you have the same coach in training as you do on international meets, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of advantages with it as well. Uh, but totally. now we are moving into a model that's more similar to I don't know the, the, your model or the American model where we have one national coach and if you're on the national team you can choose to be trained by him or you can choose to be trained by someone else Uh, but you still have to report to the coach national coach so he has to know what what you're doing and whatever to have some code control but it's more open now uh and we'll just have to see what what's the you know the best way i don't know yeah i think that sounds like a a step forward for sure because I think, like you said, you're often going to have people that, you know, kind of mesh with the coach and other people that maybe don't. So I think that that little bit of freedom is probably, hopefully anyways, going to be a a positive thing. So I'm going to change gears a little bit here again. Um, Going back to that uh, Reddit, Ava, you described yourself as a big coffee geek. uh, And as someone who personally enjoys uh, really good coffee, uh, what's something you think everyone should do to make better coffee? (laughs) Uh, first of all, start off with the beans. Buy really good fresh beans. Uh, I used to actually work in a small, small coffee roastery. So I used to roast beans myself. Mm-hmm. So you get really spoiled when you have good beans. And if you don't have good beans, you don't have good coffee. That's first of all. Uh, and second of all, it depends what kind of coffee you want. Do you want espresso? Do you want regular black coffee? If you want regular black coffee, you would have to go buy and uh, Aeropress or V60. You probably know this, right? I know you're a coffee geek too, right? <laughs> I, I'm I'm a moderate coffee geek. I don't own an Aeropress <laughs> though, so. Uh, you don't have Aeropress? No, no. An aspiring coffee geek, maybe. Yeah, Aeropress is the most honest way to make coffee. Most uh, and honest way. Honest, <laughs> yeah. The honest, <laughs> and by that I mean, it's so honest. If you have good coffee. Uh, the coffee is going to be amazing. I mean, if you have good beans. Right. If you have shit beans, the coffee is going to be terrible. <laughs> so it's a very honest way. So if you have really high quality fresh beans, you have to have an AeroPress to really taste it. But then so, again, if you're doing espresso, that's a different ball game. 
that's what we usually do is espresso, like an Americano. Yeah. Oh, no. Not a big Americano <laughs> fan. <laughs> I'm not a big espresso fan, though. I have uh, my brother's espresso machine here now, and I'm trying, really trying to get a hold of uh, latte art, but I still haven't mastered the skill. <laughs> well, that was my, that was my follow-up question is why is latte art so impossible? I know it is. Really. <laughs> it's impossible. What is it? <laughs> I've tried so hard and every single time I think like, this is the day I'm going to nail it. <laughs> and then, no, it's not. That's I, yeah. You'll go, you have to go in with confidence though. You have to just like, you know, your milk is perfectly steamed, perfectly textured. Yes. And it doesn't, it's just a, every, every time I make a cloud, it's just a cloud every time. I know. I, I just don't understand why can't I do it. I'm thinking maybe it's, um, I don't know. You, I think we have the same espresso machine, actually. You have the Breville? Breville? Yeah. 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 It has to be something with the machine, right? I, that's what I think, too. Yeah, I think I think so. Okay. We've uh, <laughs> settled on that. <laughs> uh, um. So, okay, powerlifting again. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that's, that's all good. That's all good. I think that, that side of, uh, of our guests is, is awesome. Um, be able to dive into some of that stuff. Um, so in 2017, um, I think this was your biggest total, the 642.5? Yeah, that's correct. Um, okay. Was there anything special or different that you did heading into that meet or – you know, were there a number of conditions that kind of lined up? Like, what, what do you think led to that being such a, a great performance for you? I don't know, actually. I was okay. considering pulling out from that meet, to be honest. <laughs> really? Okay. Is it, yeah, I think you, you were mentioning that you were, you know, feeling pretty beat up around that sort of six, 2017 to 2019-ish range. Yeah. Um, 2017 I think it was maybe in the beginning of the fall like late summer uh, I started having issues with my adductor magnus okay uh, and then I what did I do I fell and hurt my ankle I think so squatting was was you know painful the lifting was painful yeah <laughs> but I think that start from the beginning like January 2017 I had so many good trainings and so the strength was there I just had to you know get through the um, the workouts and perform on the day uh, so I think I lifted on previous strength to be honest mm -hmm. um, and then another factor was uh, the knee wraps that I got on that, okay. that particular competition um, because that was the first international meet I had a different coach okay. uh, that wrapped uh, differently and harder so my squat I think yeah that's my personal best in squat as well 252 and a half um, which was I think it was a 12 and a half kilo international PR and awesome. that wasn't because I've gained a lot of strength. It was mainly because of the knee wraps, to be honest. <laughs> so, That's yeah. great, though. 
you know, I'll effort lifting. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um. So what are your what are your favorite knee wraps? What wraps do you like to use? Uh, what are they called? The blue blue ones from ti- titanium. Titanium. Titaniums. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I used to have the red insert ones, uh, mm-hmm. but then I got yeah, yeah uh, sponsored by Titan, and I was really anxious about switching knee sleeves. To be honest, I mean in uh, knee wraps. Yeah. Uh, but when I tried the titanium, I yeah, they're I think they're the best. I also yeah, tried this... the the harder ones, the gold, whatever they. Oh, uh, the signature golds. Yeah. No, no, no. That's terrible. <laughs> no, I had no, two no huge guys try to wrap me, and it was just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand how people squat in them. <laughs> yeah, I think the I think the Iron Zs and the the uh, Titaniums are pretty like comparable. They they probably feel pretty similarly. But even the I mean, th- I think especially for self wraps, I've found that the the gold signatures are too much for me to get enough stretch to get a good self wrap. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I could understand how those might feel way what too kind of stiff. I use the THPs. So they're oh. like the blue blue and yellow ones. Yeah. I find they're just a little bit stiffer than the uh, titaniums, but they still have like a good amount of stretch to them. So I can self-wrap pretty easily in them. Um, yeah, I like those ones. I started in the gold signatures and just I'd get like five revolutions around my knee and be like, uh, <laughs> this doesn't feel right. Yeah, but then, you know, I never self-wrap, so... <laughs> I guess, yeah. That's, again, one of the lucky parts of being on a on a team, right? Yeah, it is. Um, okay, so we have, a, we have some questions that we, we took from listeners. So we'll, we'll make our way through these. And you kind of already touched on this one. Um, somebody's asking about your deadlift frequency, which you said was two times a week now, right? Um, but what are your favorite deadlift variations? I know you said you like doing some conventional for your sumo. Is there anything else that you really find um, kind of makes your sumo go? Um, I like doing slow sumos. Okay. Uh, so slow from the bottom and then stop underneath, explosive from the knee, and then slow descent again. I really think they help your technique, your form. Because mm. in sumo, that's the most important thing. You can get away with like uh, rushing and you know missing your form, um, but not if you're at your max. It's just right. you know going to stop. So for just fine tuning the, the the right technique, I really like that one. Uh, other than that, I just like conventionals and regular sumo, I guess. Cool. I've gone, yeah, more and more towards just keeping it basic, to be honest. Keeping it simple. I like yeah, it. Yeah, keeping it simple. And also standing on blocks is a very good way to Okay, so like into, a, a deficit sumo? Yeah. Get into position, like force your hips to go into that position, and it's going to be easier to get the right hip position for me in regular deadlifts. Mm-hmm. When not standing on block. Yeah. Cool. So, I, I don't know. Um, maybe this is less applicable because you kind of got pushed into the equipped world. <laughs> um, but what do you, what are your thoughts on like when a raw powerlifter should look to try to get into equipment? Do you think there's a time or just kind of go for it? 
or just I don't because it's stupid. <laughs> just don't. Yeah, <laughs> that was my initial thought. But then I did. Then well, yeah. Um, I do think people should be lifting for some time before they try equipment. Not throw on uh, knee wraps and bench shirts. You know, the first week they're powerlifting or lifting at all. So I do think they need to build up some strength and proper form. Uh, once you've done that, then, I don't know, trying to lure them into the world by telling them how exciting it is, how hard it is. Everyone can squat, you know, from A to B in knee sleeves or without knee sleeves, like raw. But mm. mastering equipped squat is something something so different. But I think you have to be... I don't know, a certain person as well. You yeah. have to like the challenge. You have to, you know, get triggered by the fact it's it's hard and it's a lot of work and it's a lot of pain. You have to have that kind of motivation. Yeah. yeah that's maybe a lot of lifters are thinking now, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's definitely yeah, it's like a it's kind of a barrier to entry. Um but I think that's, yeah, it definitely appeals to a certain kind of person. I think I agree with that. And I think, thinking back now, I think a lot of it had to do with me being scared of it, to be honest. Was it, like, scared of it so that made you think yeah, that it was stupid? Yeah, before I started mm -hmm. trying it, I think I was a little bit scared as well. What if I can't handle it? Or what if something breaks or... You know, just it it looks brutal, and it is. Yeah, um, I think those are pretty normal thoughts. Yeah, but then I had really good help, you know, starting out with nice suits that wasn't weren't too tight and not super tight knee wraps the first times and stuff. Mm -hmm. Just to ease into it, I think will help as well. I think a bunch of equipped lifters talking about how much it hurts probably doesn't help either. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, like, I think, I think it does hurt to a point, but like, I don't know, like if I think about squatting in a suit, it's like, at, in the moment, I don't really feel any, like it doesn't like it like hurts at the time. It's like afterwards, you're like, oh man, like, you know, the suit marks on my legs are really sore, but like during the squat, it's like, it's almost like you're sniffing ammonia the whole time because you're just amped up the whole time from the, the pressure. But yeah, so yeah, don't think it hurts too much. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't think about the pain as much though. Except Just about for, surviving. Yeah, last every single meet I do, I think like the la when it prepping for the last squat, and the coach is wrapping your knees, and you're already sore from the first two attempts. Mm -hmm. I think every single time, like, what the, f why the hell am I doing this? Why even bother? <laughs> Just stop! Stop! You know. <laughs> And then, then you go do the squat and then you get a good lift. It's like, oh my God, this is the best feeling ever. <laughs> and then it's you an forget emotional roller coaster. Stuff. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, if it doesn't hurt when wrapping knees, you get even more worried because you're going to fall through. <laughs> you're not going to get any help. <laughs> right. Um, do you have any tips for breaking in equipment? Anything that you like to do early on in the training cycle or when you get a new piece of gear? No, not really. I just put it on. Just use it. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I think 
if you're new to gear or you want to start out with something you can, you know, be comfortable in, fairly comfortable, hit depth without dying and that kind of stuff. Uh, this, I think, um, and also with bench shirts, deadlift is like, you know, easier. Um, but with bench shirts not going too tight, so mm. you can't, you know, touch <clears throat> and so it does. It doesn't feel like a struggle from the beginning. Let the right. pain and the struggle come a little bit later when <laughs> you're already, you know, on the chase for bigger weights. <laughs> yes, exactly. I agree with that for sure. So how do you, um, if you're doing an equipped day, like say you're doing an equipped squat or equipped deadlift? Um, how do you warm up? Do you warm up mostly raw until it gets heavy or do you like in the gear right away to try and work the, the path? I usually warm up raw, just, I don't know how many percentages, like 90% raw pretty much. So when I've done my heaviest trainings before, uh, when I trained with Dietmar, I almost always did squat, bench and deadlift equipped in training on the same day okay. uh, and always heavy um, lifts raw first and then heavy lifts equipped mm. so I basically did two meets one raw meet and one equipped meet in training so <laughs> and that I was remember, once once a week no 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 are you crazy no <laughs> I would die <laughs> that was maybe maybe once a month okay ish um and getting closer to the meet and uh, with we, we do like mock meets or whatever you would call it i don't know just getting used to having the all all three lifts in one day which for i think for a lot of lifters that aren't used to lifting all three in one day it can be kind of exhausting coming to competition and it's the first time you're doing equipped uh squat bench and deadlift and it's, you know, competition day, uh, you're probably going to be really exhausted by the time you're going to start deadlifting. So I think it's a big advantage to have those trainings as well. Even though they are really brutal, you just can't plan anything for the next day because you're just dead. <laughs> <laughs> so along that, uh, along that vein, how often do you get into your equipment? Does that change throughout your training cycle or do you have sort of blocks of time where you're in it, say, every week or are you, what's that look like? It depends, really. Um, right now, I haven't lifted equipped since before Worlds. Or, well, mm -hmm. I've done equipped bench because I was training for bench nationals, which okay. was unfortunately canceled because of COVID-19. Uh, but um, then I did bench shirt once a week uh, which felt felt good uh, I think I will continue with that when start uh, prepping for next meet as well uh, but then squat and deadlift maybe every second week mm -hmm. it depends on how my body feels really because okay. I'm you know the new approach now so right. <laughs> going to like just feel whatever I don't know Whatever I feel yeah. like. Feel it out and a little whatever, bit. Yeah, whatever I need in mm -hmm. terms of training proper technique and form. Uh, sometimes 
everything feels good. Everything is like on spot with the deadlift. I don't need as many trainings uh, as I might do with squats or whatever. It depends. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any anything that you like to do for recovery? Do you do you do bike rides? Do you go sit in the sauna? Do you do any crazy like what's that uh, like gun thing with a little ball that like hits you a bunch of times? Yeah, I uh, have one. Do you do any of that? Kind of, you do? Okay, all right. I think I have everything that you can for recovery. <laughs> okay. I have that gun thing and I use cupping sometimes. Okay. Uh, I also have like a mini sauna. Um, but now I don't use it too much because I don't need to because my body's feeling good. I think I've acquired all those things because I've had um, a lot of pain, basically. <laughs> um but I do like to do yoga. Okay, which I cool. feel helps, um, you know, keeping flexibility and feeling not like a glow stick, pretty much. Sure, yeah. <laughs> like snap, crackle, pop every time you're moving yep. your limbs. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I like to go on, on hikes and walks. Sweet. Yeah. Um, how often do you do, do you do yoga stuff? Whenever I feel like it. <laughs> awesome. Okay, I'm I'm starting to get like a pretty complete picture here of yeah. the uh, of the Marta training system. It's it hasn't been this way, you know, earlier, but it it seems like it's working now. Yeah, so it seems like a, a good healthy approach. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you have a fairly distinct, uh, patented deadlift lockout. Left, right, or is it right, left? I think it's right, left. <laughs> is that, is that a result of the adductor injury, or do yeah. you think it's yeah? I think it is because uh, I didn't used to lock out like that. I think that came about in like 2017, um, 16, 17. I don't know. I think it's related. I do. Um, I've had some really good trainings, like the training I did before Arnold's. I pulled 250 twice in one training and like really smooth and locking out the knees at the same time and not before I was, you know, on the way back with the bar. <laughs> um, I don't know what, why that happens to be honest. I think it does have something to do with the issues I've had as well. Uh, because after the Dr. Magnus was healing, I also got uh, some hip issue that's not like completely resolved yet, but it's getting there um, during 2018 and 19. So I think that's a part of it. It's not something I take pride in. <laughs> I try to, yeah. Not. No, it's not the secret sauce. I wouldn't try, you know, for, <laughs> nope. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> That's not something I coach. Right. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so I have my own personal question that I ask all of our guests. Stian said in response to this question, never, it's not natural. Um, but do you ever do reps in full gear? Anything more than singles, maybe doubles, triples, sets of five, anything like that? Have you used that? Um, I think I did with Dietmar, 
okay. remember some brutal triples. Okay. With the bench shirt I have. And yep. that was on my own initiative, actually. But with squats, I think the most I will do is two. Okay. Maybe if uh, we'll see how training goes. I've been thinking about getting a bigger suit uh, just to train my form because it's my squat hasn't been good in a long time. Well, since 2017, basically, with the quips. So I'm thinking about buying a bigger suit and doing some reps with yeah. uh, lighter weights, of course, but trying to get the feel of where I should be at and working with the form, which is a little bit harder when you're in the competition suit and everything is super duper tight and you're going to start doing triples and five reps. That's no. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not natural. Going back to the bench, you said you, you do use multiple reps. Are you a, are you a board person or do you just kind of ghost it? Um, when you're doing your, your reps to the bench or sorry, when you're doing reps on the, on the shirted bench or are you like touching all of your reps? What does that look like? Well, I started something new or <laughs> my new and improved the powerlifting life uh-huh. <laughs> or uh, my goal this, um, first semester was bench nationals. I was really going to focus on a quick bench because that is my Achilles heel. And okay. that is something I'm aware of. Uh, so I've been working on it and started in January with a tighter shirt and it felt really good. So my approach then was uh, to take it I started doing boards and then pretty high and then, you know, decreasing, decreasing, decreasing uh, until I touched maybe, I don't know, three, four trainings, uh, mm-hmm. but then went back up and did some boards just to trying to not only get stronger, but also work on some mental issues with bench because mm-hmm. it's uh, not been a friend of mine. Even though I worked so hard trying to make it my friend, but for so many times it's starting to improve, and then I get a shoulder injury or something happens. So this time I try to be smarter, smarter, and work better with the shirt. Mm-hmm. And it was going really well. And for the first time in history, I was actually looking forward to doing a bench meet. Awesome. And it got canceled. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bummer. But it's good to hear that uh, that the bench is is turning around for you. I think that's the price you pay for having a deadlift world record or two. Is a bench can be a bit of a pain in the ass sometimes. But it hasn't. It doesn't have to suck that much, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and that's that. I think is the right mental approach to it too. Is like, you know, it, it sucks, but you just put more work into it and. Uh, get that stupid thing moving yeah cool um we also had one question uh and i think i remember you talking about this after or doing this after um sweden but i think you started doing a lot more running someone asked if you're still planning to run a half marathon this year still i never plan on doing a half marathon (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) who told you that someone on the internet asked that no no never uh, no, I did some running a 
after, yeah, after Worlds 2018. Uh, but that was mainly because I applied some place where I had to do physical tests. Mm. Uh, so I had to run, uh, which was not fun at all. <laughs> uh, but I did get better at running though, but as soon as the tests were over, I stopped. And now I do enjoy running once a while, actually, just for recovery and getting the heart rate up. Mm -hmm. uh, last run I had, I have a Garmin watch. Uh, I think I got like three incident alarms uh, where the... <laughs> <laughs> where you have to push some uh, code or whatever so it doesn't like call the ambulance. <laughs> so it doesn't the heart rate hurt. got a little too high or it goes high pretty fast. <laughs> so it's good to train that a little bit as well, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not never gonna do a half marathon or a full one or even a third. Okay. <laughs> So we already talked about the, uh, the sort of the highlight of your lifting career, right? You were talking about 2013 Worlds in Stavanger. Um, what would you say is the lowest point of your lifting career and what did you learn from it? Oh, wow. My lowest was in 2018 when okay. everything started going downhill. I had, I competed well, coming out from 2017 and 16, which were both very good years, mm -hmm. uh, I totaled, I don't know how much I PR'd in total in 2017, but um, pretty good. I was really happy and really stoked for 2018. Uh, so I went to the Arnolds, and uh, training up to the Arnolds went really good. I felt my deadlift was stronger than ever, mm -hmm. and I pulled... 250 in training uh, two times at the same training in the same training and with you know proper technique it was easy and I thought I was going to do at least 250 and plus plus at Arnold's mm -hmm. uh, when we traveled to Arnold's I traveled with uh, Linda uh, which is on the national team and uh, Christopher and his brother and on the way over there Linda got really sick with the flu or influenza or whatever Okay. Uh, and we had to share a bed, so I was oh. like, okay, we were in this apartment together, you know, I couldn't mm -hmm. fit her outside. <laughs> yeah. So I remember when I started warming up for the Arnold, I was doing the deadlift only. And it was 70 kilos on the bar, and I was like, fuck, this is heavy. <laughs> 70 kilos is, you know, it's like, this is not my day. So I felt I was getting sick. Mm -hmm. And I did pull 250, though. It was really heavy at Arnold's. Uh, flying back home, I got really sick. I was so sick on the plane back home. It was terrible to fly. Uh, came back home, started a new job. So I had to, I didn't have the time to recover properly. Right. And, you know, just I had to start a new job and be up eight or work eight to four every day and I just never really recovered um, but even though I was sick I still trained a little bit whenever I felt a little bit better but then I would feel worse again you know how it right. is right yeah but anyways um, the coach national coach um, 
suggested that I still do Europeans because it wouldn't be a hard match at Europeans. Uh, I would have to get my openers in and I would probably win. Uh, And it turned out to be the worst competition of my life. So eight attempts, I got got one. I got one deadlift. Okay. So... And I and the, the the worst thing is I felt pretty strong that day. Going into the squats, it's like okay, this is not that bad. Training hadn't been going good because I was sick all the time, but my strength was still there. But I missed my first and second one on depth, and I told my coach, um, "I'm not gonna bomb. You have to tell me when to. You have to cue me." Mm-hmm. And he goes like down, 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 up. And I fight it up. I was like, yes, I'm still in it. And then I got two reds. I was like, ugh. That really sucked. And Mm might have been a coincidence, but the head referee, uh, that was refereeing that day, she had given me white lights, the two first ones. The last one, she red-lighted me, and then one from the side red-lighted me. And she was Ukrainian. And the lifter that won when I bombed was Ukrainian. So that was good for Team Ukraine. Um, But after bombing, I was, of course, sad. Um, But I thought, I'm still going to do my best and going to bench, you know, try to focus on something good, try to do a PR on bench or whatever. And something happened in my first, first bench. I think the bar rolled a little bit or whatever and missed my... First bench, missed my second bench. Third bench, it wasn't even, you know, any reason to try. Um, so I didn't go out for my last bench. Went out for my first deadlift and then tried second and third deadlift and failed. Oh, boy. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. That was a really tough competition. And I think a lot of different factors in my life as well um, mm-hmm. made it really tough to get past, to be honest. I think I, I don't know, I really, it, it got really into me because you don't just disappoint yourself, you disappoint mm-hmm. everyone else as well. Um, and you feel that, you know, you go to Europeans and you represent your country even though I've been doing this for 10 years and I've showed that I'm capable you still want to show up and make your nation pride proud right Mm -hmm. so that's one part of it and then the worst part is letting yourself down just you know it's like you could have been you could have been deeper you could have been doing this you could have been doing that you know uh really hard on yourself and I think I developed like post uh, powerlifting competition trauma or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because that really, it really stuck with me. So yeah. for going into a new, I took some time off, like completely off. Yeah. And, um, but we had nationals in August that year. So I had to get into training mm-hmm. and equip training. Um, pretty soon after and I just remember getting back under 
the bar with the squat suit and knee sleeves and, and knee wraps. It's just, it was terrible. It was mm-hmm. this, it was this feeling I can't even describe. I wasn't afraid of squatting in training, but it was just something, some emotion, something that it, I was on the verge of crying every single training towards that meet. And I, yeah. I'm not a crying person really, but I don't know, that meat just really hit me somehow yeah. and stuck with me. And for the nationals as well, I was really, I was so scared of bombing. I was more scared of that than I was of anything else because if I would have bombed there, it would be such a hard way oh, getting yeah. back into it again. I think I would just fall even deeper down. But luckily it was, I think I did three good squats and I totaled just under my PR. Okay. So it was a good, you know, way to come back from it. But it was really it was really tough and just still thinking back to that competition is just like ugh a pleasant pleasant competition. What what do you think that you've learned from that? Like, what are some of the are there are there positives that you were able to take away? Are there things that you found uh, ways to find success again um, to obviously come back to where you are now, feeling healthy and excited? And um, you know, how did you how did you handle that situation? And how did you um, get yourself past that? And and maybe what did you learn? Um, right away, I felt like I didn't learn anything. But in retrospect, I've learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you learn the most from the competitions that go really bad, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think that competition and everything went downhill from there. Even though if Nationals was pretty okay, uh, Worlds that year was pretty shit. Uh, I didn't do Europeans the next year in 2019. Uh, because my body wasn't feeling very good. And also, uh, Worlds last year wasn't wasn't my best. So, because I didn't take my health seriously in training or in, in general, I just pushed on and pushed on and thought I could just, you know, forget about the fact that I'm actually sick. Um, set me back, like, a year, two years. So that's why I'm having doing like a new approach now where my health is first. I know now that if I'm sick, I'm not strong. And if I'm not healthy, my body isn't going to work with me. Right. So that's the biggest um, change, really. And I guess I had to have a really bad competition and experience to to really understand it because I think my whole whole career I've been like you have to do adjustments and you have to listen to your body but not to the extent that I am doing now like mm-hmm. I'm so much more relaxed and comfortable uh, even when I was training towards bench nationals uh, I had I was flexible when I was going to have my sh- uh, shirt on because my shoulders are feeling shit today. I'm not going to bench today at all. Mm-hmm. I might do push-ups or yeah. whatever. And then yeah. p- 
putting on the bench shirt again when I felt better, I experienced like, wow, I'm actually strong today. So it was, it's a been, it's been a long way, <laughs> yeah. but um, I think I've, I grew stronger from that competition as well, even though it's like, it hurts thinking about it. It's, yeah. I don't know, it was really, really bad. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I think, again, that just like speaks to the whole sort of, <clears throat> I guess the, the whole sort of attitude change and, and change in, in your approach to lifting. I think hopefully a lot of listeners can, can relate to that and hopefully uh, avoid that meat that you had, right? <laughs> I, I strongly agree avoiding those meats. And the worst thing was <laughs> because with the one lift that I got, I got gold in the lift. Oh, really? So when I came back to work, everyone was like, hey, congratulations. You did amazing. <laughs> and you're like, you're no, that was terrible. And they yeah. like balloons everywhere. And I was like, no, 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 no. But I couldn't, <laughs> you know, they don't understand powerlifting. I just had to be yeah. like, oh, thank you. Yeah, it was great. Okay. <laughs> so that was just like, it got, I felt it was like, rubbing in my face you know but they Mm. meant well of course they thought it was awesome (laughs) yeah so um who have you had some uh big inspirations over the years or um is there anyone you kind of looked up to as you started progressing in the sport and maybe it doesn't necessarily need to be powerlifters or anything like that but is there anyone they kind of identify with i don't know if i don't think i have any particular uh, I get inspiration from a lot of different people. Uh, recently, I've um, competed with uh, Rhea for many, many years, and seeing her progression she's having the last couple of years now is just, it's for me, that is really inspirational because I can relate to it as well being an older lifter. You know, I've been in this game for quite some time, and a lot of people think, like, oh, you know, you're not going to lift anything more. You're not going to have huge progress because maybe you get like two and a half kilos here and two and a half kilos there. But um, people, including myself, kind of sometimes maybe think that you have used up your potential. But then Rhea's been lifting since what, 2004, six? Three. Yep, that three. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so inspirational. And I know that she's a hard worker. He's, nothing is given. It's not, it doesn't come easy. It doesn't come, it might come naturally, but everything she has to work for. And I think that's very inspirational. And I don't mean to, to talk down on the people that have extreme success from the start. Uh, that's good for them. That's really good for them. But personally, I don't find that as inspirational as people like Rhea that's been a hard worker from day one and never gives up and now after 10 15 years in the sport she has had that massive progress that nobody really expect expected um i was used to placing before ria on meets <laughs> but then something really really good happened with her training and i think it had a lot to do with um experimenting with the gear as well uh but her progress is i think it's really inspirational to see and it's so earned and i'm so happy for her 
because I know how hard she's been working for it. So I think the long longevity of is one of the things that I think is inspirational. Uh, a lot of people here in Norway as well, uh, especially Heidi Hilarnesen uh, in the 84s. Yeah. She's 50 this year, I think, something like that. And she's just fighting on. And she's a lot of people here. I know she's been uh, on the national team for a long time. And she's a master. Who's a master too soon? So a lot of people have, or I'm not going to say a lot, but I know of some people that I'd be like, can't you just like give the, give up the space for someone young and aspiring, you know? Uh, but no, she's still progressing and she's still making, I mean, she's, she PR'd at Worlds. She's closing in like 262 in the squats. And she's, she was, for a long time, she was stuck at like 230, 240. And I've seen her the whole way. I've seen what she's struggled with. The periods that you get with feeling insecure, losing belief in yourself for a period of time. And then, you know, crawling up from that ditch and just fighting back and getting not just out of the ditch, but on the top. I think that's something I really get inspired to see. And not a particular person or idol, maybe. But uh, stories, stories like that are really good. That's a great answer. What's uh, one piece of advice that you wish you could give to yourself uh, when you were just starting out, or what, what would be one piece of advice you'd give to somebody just getting into this? That's a great question. I think I want to say don't rush yourself and um, be in it for the long game. Or you should want to be in for the long game. <laughs> right. I mean, not, a, not everyone is prepare to make it their lifestyle and be in powerlifting forever. I get that. But I think that is what makes the best lifters. Uh, I think a lot of lifters can come in and make great totals and have insane genes, I guess, that just, you know, your progress is, is n unheard of. But mm -hmm. then they disappear because when it gets hard and when you're not PRing, 40 kilos at every meet, it's not fun anymore. And powerlifting or sports in general isn't always fun. So you have to learn to love it in a different way and not just the progress. Yeah, I think that's perfect. I think that echoes a lot of sentiments that, uh, that Ryan and I share as well. Yeah, that's good. So, and I think our last question here um, is, do you have any concrete goals you're kind of aiming for right now or you have in mind right now, looking maybe to Worlds this year uh, coming up in Norway, fingers crossed? Um, I have some numbers because I've reached like the 250s now, the, the goal of 250 squat, 250 deadlift. So I guess the closest one is like 260. 260, 160, 260 would be nice just to, you know, keep it simple. Easy to remember. <laughs> um, but I've had also experience with 
being too fixated on numbers previously. Mm. Uh, that might have ruined some meets for me. Well, when you miss a lift, then we're like, oh, I'm not going to make that number. And not, I've been working on not focusing too much on that, even though having a certain weight you want to hit is, is good. It's a goal to work towards. But now I'm more, I want to do a better competition. That's my goal. It sounds like a boring goal, maybe. But if I do a good competition as well, the, the weights are going to, the kilos are going to follow, you know. So I think my, that's my goal and not go back to 2018 ever again. <laughs> Make lifts and especially focus on my, on my bench. Uh, mm. Trying to get some PRs out there because I think that will help my total a lot as well. So yeah. trying to dare to set some goals in the bench and not think of it as just surviving pretty much. <laughs> just <laughs> laying down between squat and deadlift. Yeah, you can relate. <laughs> I, can, I can a little bit still try to make some of those same adjustments in terms of how I approach it. So yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, that's, that's pretty much what we've got for today. Um, if you want to take a quick second and shout out anything that you're working on or where people can find you, contact you, uh, anything like that that you're excited about, um, go ahead. I don't know. I'm just writing my master's thesis now. I don't have anything else to think about, to be honest. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but you can follow me on Instagram. I don't know. But okay. if you're following the Equip Bruce, then no, sorry. What is it again? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that was Equip it. Equip Bruce. Bruce tired. And tired, of course, yeah. I could relate yeah. to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're okay. probably going to tag me or something anyways, so. Yeah, yeah, well, maybe, I don't know, are we putting people's Instagrams in the show notes and stuff, Ryan? Yeah, I've totally figured out how to do that. Okay, perfect. I listened to your first uh, first introduction podcast today. Oh, really? In the car oh, yeah. with my mom. <laughs> okay. And she said, I think it was your voice, uh, Ryan. She's like, Oh, that man has such a comfortable voice. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's very soothing. So I think I, I think you guys, you guys are gonna do good with this podcast, and I really, I think it's a really good initiative to uh, get equipped lifters uh, more out there, and also educating people. And I think maybe we need to be better about talking about about equipped lifting, and not, as you pointed out, Ryan, just not just saying how much it hurts but talk about yeah. some of the positive sides as well <laughs> definitely definitely maybe we maybe we should uh, get better at that as well yeah i i think that's one of our goals hey ryan yeah i think so to try to i don't know make it even though, uh, seem a little more accessible and demystify it a little bit even though the the title of the podcast is equipped bruised and tired but <laughs> cooked, bruised, tired, and fun. Maybe that's what it should and, be. And yes, an extremely <laughs> fun and challenging in a novel way. It didn't right. fit in the title <laughs> box. Though. Oh, so it's, yeah, okay. That was in the We had to shorten yeah. it a little bit. Yeah. No, I think a quick, bruised, and tired, uh, a lot of people in a quick lifting can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, awesome. I, again, thank you very, very much for coming on. This was a, a fantastic interview, and we were very happy to have you. So. Thank you for having me. It's been great. 
All right. We want to thank you for listening to the Equipped, Bruised, and Tired podcast. We're going to be available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever fine podcasts are found. So make sure to leave your five-star rating if you enjoyed the show and a review as well and or check out our video version of the show on our YouTube channel. If you have any questions for ourselves, guest suggestions, or questions for our guests, you can go ahead and contact us at equippedbruisedtired at gmail.com and make sure to do your part to spread the word of the equipped renaissance. We'll see you next time.